0: Welcome to Reroute, this is Gavin Wilhite. Today, we get to talk to Talek Mamutov. Telek is a software engineer and entrepreneur. He recently led projects at Google X, including at Loon, a moonshot to deliver internet from stratospheric balloons. He is now the founder and CEO of Outtalent, a Y Combinator-backed startup helping engineers from emerging markets level up and get jobs at Silicon Valley tech companies. This is a special on-location episode we recorded while I visited Telek's home country of Kyrgyzstan. If you'd like to watch a video version of today's podcast, you can find it on our YouTube channel as linked in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking about fostering personal rationality, methods for instilling values into organizations, and how to chart a personalized career trajectory aimed at creating positive impact. So sit forward, listen in, and enjoy our conversation with Talek Mamutov. Today, I'm here with Talek Mamutov. You've been such a gracious host, uh, so I'm really happy to uh, be able to uh, welcome you uh, to Reroute here uh, instead of you welcoming me to your host country uh, because we're doing this live from Kyrgyzstan. So
1: (laughs) welcome, Talek. Great. Well, welcome to Kyrgyzstan, Gavin. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. 100%. Um, So
0: Talek and I met. Uh, a number of years ago at an event called CIFAR, uh, the Center for Applied Rationality. And um, uh, maybe you can, uh, I'm happy to t- talk a little bit about what I felt, but maybe you can tell me a little bit about uh, the uh, CIFAR workshop from your point
1: of view. Yes, I loved it. I yeah. think it was definitely life-changing. Yeah. I made several friends yeah. I'm still in touch with yeah. on a regular basis including you, yeah, and it, it helped me with some big career shifts uh, nice. and just uh, think of the world differently in general. Yeah, And I'm still very much in touch with the organization and with the community. And the whole concept of applied rationality yep. was new to me and uh, was not very clear what the training is going to be about. Yep. It was nice that my employer paid for it Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. fully, I think, or h- half of it. I think fully. Yeah. That's why it was easier for me to sign up, but uh, I wasn't sure. And I would describe it as a training in rational thinking and rational actions. Just that's that's my concept, and that's how I generally think of re- rationality. Is rational thinking is more like critical thinking. Yep. And uh, rational actions is when you think you should go to the gym and you manage to go to the gym. <laughs> Instead of you know you need to go but you actually don't manage to. Totally. Or you know you want to meditate but you don't. Well, how do you actually meditate if you yes. really think you need to? That's what I call like a rational action. And uh, I think it was more focused on actual rational actions than mm. thinking. The whole community is really much into rational thinking as well. Uh, but the training was more about that and was a three-day training, I believe, where we stayed overnight on bunk beds. Yes. Uh, So it's kind of faster to make friends by living together. Yeah,
0: I remember learning, it's uh, hilarious to me, some of just like the random pragmatic skills uh, that I've learned through those workshops. Like uh, I think that was the first time I slept with an eye mask and earplugs. <laughs>
1: was really? in those dorms. Yeah. No way. <laughs> that's where I learned how to floss, actually. Well, not to <laughs> really? learn to floss, but I started flossing actually. Nice. Because I knew and like doctors tell tell you to do this many times, but yep. that's when I actually started flossing. And I still do from from that day. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's um so, you know, I don't, maybe we can. Uh, I can give it like a little bit more context. Yeah, so it's this organization that's existed um, for maybe, I don't know, maybe eight years, something like that, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but the idea is, yeah, trying to um, both research methods uh, by kind of aggregating a bunch of um, like behavioral psychology and sort of cognitive neuroscience research uh, in order to figure out how to help people Uh, reduce their human biases uh, and also helping them sort of achieve their goals in better ways, right? And I know that, um, you know, one of the reasons why I bring this up is because I know that this has been a big part of my life and I think part of your life, and given that it was the place that we met, it felt like it would be an interesting topic for us to go into. is, was there particular kind of like uh, techniques or things that stuck with you from those workshops? That uh,
1: yes, you feel like these? I actually uh, took copious notes and yep. I came up with a flow chart of of main techniques. I think like fifteen techniques. I don't know if you've seen the flow chart, but I basically tried to map it, it as like, you know, are you extremely happy all the time? Yes or no? If no, <laughs> then try this technique. If like, and then you just go through the flowchart and you try different techniques, different points of your life. One technique that clearly changed, uh, I believe, you know, rerouted my career. Yeah, was uh, goal factoring. Yes. Yes. When you uh, have a certain goal, for example, get a PhD, or uh, I don't know, have children, or it could be any goal. So you 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 put it. Uh, you know on a diagram, and then you try to break it down into sub-goals, and try to hack it basically. So like with with number factoring, right, you have a number 36, and you Mm -hmm. factor it like two, three, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So you factor out the goal, and one of my goal was, one of the big goals was at the time to become a product. I was at Google, and I was on a technical program manager side. I wanted to become a product manager, so that was like a goal and I try to break it down, like, why do I want it? why do they want to have this goal? And uh, it's like, you know, have more influence in the organization and higher salary, et cetera, et cetera. And then th- the trick is, can you actually replace this goal with something else? Right. Uh, and this way you realize what sub-goals are actually important, what and which ones are not, and it yeah. helps you find other, uh, other ways to solve the problem because sometimes it's not the best to get a PhD or get an MBA right. or children. or And so maybe like there's that.
0: two different things that you can do. You could like split it up where it's maybe like you don't have to get all of these eight things that you're trying to get out of this yes. PhD from a single thing, right? Maybe you can do two different things, like a side project and a you know a different uh, a training, right, that combines to the same goals.
1: Yes. So for yep. me, basically. I broke it down into like 12 sub-goals. And at the time, I was a technical program manager on paper, yep. but in reality, it was like more like a project lead. Ah. And uh, I realized that if I, st- if, if I stay like that, then I actually hit a lot of my goals mm-hmm. except one, uh, which is I just, it's, it's kind of fancy to become a product manager at Google, yep. and there's a lot of social status. Yeah, And kind of my ego was involved. And it was like a goal that I had for years, like a dream to have a pro- become a product manager at Google. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, if I really wanted to become a product manager, then I would have to abide by certain rules and hit certain metrics and have certain number of people on the team. I would have to kind of morph my project into something or I'd have to switch to a less interesting project. Yep. And I didn't want to do that. So I realized, like, okay, I have to give up on this one thing, which is much more, like, ego-focused mm-hmm. and social status-focused. Well, and yeah. try to focus on other bigger, like, more important goals. like, have more impact, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then other things would come as well, where, like, more recognition and, and, like, easier to do a startup after that. So I actually would hit, like, 11 out of 12. But it was very nice. cool to clearly see this, more emotional goals and you have to kind of let it go Uh, so I said uh, it was easier to let let go the goal.
0: I thought uh, one of the things that was uh, interesting for for me to make sure that I was doing in goal factoring was um, they tell you to make sure you even include the goals that you're not proud of right so You know, impress my parents, or oh yes, uh, yes, or yeah, or you know, gain status or whatever, right? Yeah, because because some of it, some of the, some of the times, is it's not even that um, like you feel guilty for having these goals, but that doesn't mean that they're not important, right? You still might care about like impressing your parents or having status. It might not mean it's absolutely ridiculous, but there might be other ways of doing that, or maybe you don't care, you know, right? But I liked that. I love that technique, and I think it's a good example of. Uh, those sorts of ways of thinking.
1: Um, yeah, I wanted to add to this. I yep. think it's a great concept. Uh, one concept I learned at Google is, uh, you know, if if something were to leak at New, to New York Times and it's on, uh, on yeah. the front cover, yeah, yeah, yeah. you should uh, you shouldn't be ashamed, right? You should be right. proud of it. Yep. Like if if any conversation that you're like you're messaging your colleague or anything like that, and I really like the concept. Mm-hmm. It yeah. helped. It kind of it motivates you to do better, and for a while it was like one of my favorite concepts. Was just live your life, so that if anything were to leak, yeah. And I honestly like like my email conversations for like years. If you were, anything were to leak, it was like be okay. And actually, for my wife, it was kind of she kind of felt it. It's like till like sometimes I feel like you're, <laughs> you're living your life as if like this is like a you know like a TV show. Right. Uh, what's what's the TV show? Uh, where, where like the whole world is watching, and like, oh, it's yeah, just Drew me and you. And like we're yes. we here. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like it went too far. Yeah. Uh, and now actually think of the reverse concept where uh, if you had your goals clearly stated for yourself, and it leaks, and you're not ashamed, right. it's probably they are not honest goals, mm. right? So. Oftentimes it could be like could be something sexual, for example, right? Sure. Yeah. If in that case, if you never mention sex in your goals, right? Are you really hundred percent honest? Sure. Oftentimes could be not, right? Yeah. So it's just one of one of the more like clear examples. Yeah. And uh, I think it's kind of hard to be very honest. So I feel like I was focused on being honest with the outside world, mm-hmm. but I was not very honest with the inside world. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do both because. If you're genuinely honest with yourself, sometimes you're doing things that society is not really ready, ready for. I mean, everything that happens at Burning Man. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's a good example. Where at Burning Man, people try to be more honest with themselves, right? And it can look weird to the outside world. Yeah, uh, and oftentimes illegal. Uh, So yes, because I think you're right. Where it's like the you know, would you
0: you know, you can think about what it would look like if it was you know leaked or whatever, but you have to look at it through exactly like as you're saying through the lens of your own values or through the values of the people that you care about, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that seem to, to be to channeling the same thing. Because there's a lot of things that you can stress yourself out about a lot that is just um, stuff that feels like it shouldn't matter or stuff that people shouldn't be ashamed of, right? Yeah. Um, I'm interested to uh, maybe touch a little bit briefly as we're kind of on this topic of sort of values, Um, We've talked a little bit about, you know, we're both uh, involved in kind of tech startups, and this idea of how we sort of um, enshrine and sort of establish like values and principles and stuff like that for organizations. Um, I know, so you uh, have a startup now called Outtalent, uh, which is pretty cool, and you guys just went. Uh, can I can I talk about? Uh, of course, yeah. yes, please. So you just uh, you just did your international release. It used to be for sort of Central Asia, mm-hmm. and you guys did your international release a few days ago. And uh, congratulations on that. Um, so my understanding is basically you guys do um, you help uh, sort of uh, engineers uh, in sort of like Central Asia and other sort of maybe like developing economies. Who want to get jobs at these sort of like top tier companies like Google and Amazon, and Facebook? And you help them sort of like polish up their skills and make them like make themselves sort of presentable to these companies. Is that a fair way of talking yes. about it? Yes. Anything? So we yeah. help
1: uh, great software engineers get great jobs uh, yep. at uh, top companies. Yep. Uh, and we focus on developing countries. Yep. Um, so for now, we've been focused on relocation. Uh, for example, you relocate from Kyrgyzstan to, uh, let's say, to work for Google in London or Zurich. Mm. And uh, we think it's amazing for the person, Uh, and we think it's better for the world. Uh, It's a separate conversation. And um, uh, yes, we we help with uh, algorithms and data structures, uh, distributed system design, uh, behavioral interviews, resume building, and uh, we make sure, we, we work with engineering managers and recruiters uh, and through our uh, through our uh, community m- make sure that people get more chances to get interviewed and at the end we also help with salary negotiations. this way nice. great engineers um, can put their be- uh, best foot forward uh, and get more offers and better offers uh, and find a company that is better matching for them because oftentimes, they don't come from a famous college or don't sure. work for a famous company. Yeah. and uh, they get lost in a sea of resumes. Yeah, and it's harder for somebody from a from another country because the recruiters oftentimes don't have a context of like, what does this university in Kyrgyzstan even right. mean? Yeah, right. Uh, so, um, yes, that's what we do, and I love it. And one topic that I love talking to you about is like company building and organization building because uh, I want organization to to be like a separate entity Yeah. and then I wonder like what what will happen if I, you know, I will not be there. Yeah. What do I want this organization to keep doing? Yes. And that's what brought me to, you know, the mission and the values and the principles. Yeah, and how do you uh, sort of so package that topic. up
0: in a way that like if you get hit by a bus or if you move on to something yes. else, right, it sort of keeps going with this, yeah. Yes, that's why.
1: I, I I love doing this. It's like Saturday morning. It's kind of what motivates me. I like going to a coffee shop and just like thinking about the culture and like the yeah. the actual DNA of the organization. Uh, it's, for me, it's like a hobby. Nice. I, I have to pace myself and not to spend too much time on the philosophy and more time on the actual, you know, on the actions, but it's something I really love doing.
0: Nice. Um, when you were thinking about kind of designing, I um, we've talked a little bit about kind of the differences between like valuables, principles, and mission. Uh, I know you thought about a lot that a lot of the, about that when you were um, putting them for your for this company. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how you think about those things?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so mission, I really like missions. Uh, I think it it should be there. Uh, so we have a mission. Then I thought of values, and the values, I think of them as uh, one word, usually, uh, things, uh, where uh, they could be used as an adjective and applied to a person, Mm. uh, oftentimes. Like honesty, right, Mm. similar to integrity or ambition. Um, So that's what I think of as values. And principles I think of as, more like similar to rules where um, uh, it's usually like a short phrase. Uh, I, I know that some companies use that as values. They have like phrases as values. Uh, I don't think there's a rule for this. Sure. Yeah. But that's, that's what I like. That's how you break it down. I like yeah. when values are like one word things yep. like courage and uh, of course it needs clarification because different people, if it's one word, different people will. I mean, any value or right. principle needs a clarification, but um, I, I like the way Ray Dalio uses the word principles. So mm. that's, that's where I try to use it as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, one of the things that I've found that seems to help a lot with this stuff is thinking about um, kind of the... Uh, uh, the, the opposite of it, or you know, what does it look like if we are not being courageous, um, and you know, helping to share examples of that? I know one of the conversations that we had about was like, you know, having like postmortems or talking about, you know, was there a time where we didn't demonstrate this value, right? Yes. And if if we're able to give examples of that, I feel like it really helps to clarify what those mean, right? Because sometimes those words can just feel empty, right? But it was, as soon as there's examples or especially sort of like honest examples of when they weren't upheld, it feels like that helps a lot, right?
1: Yes, and I think that's where we could learn from religions. Oh yeah? Yeah. Like for a while I was very uh, strong atheist mm-hmm. where I was kind of, so I was kind of first kind of, I was a child then I was a religious for some time and I became an atheist where I just rejected the religion. I was kind of angry, yeah, angry atheist and then later now I'm, or like more agnostic and kind of want to learn uh, what's what it ha- what's what it has to offer, and uh, I think uh, like Bible has a lot of stories right because Bible tries to kind of instill certain values and uh, stories I think it seems to be a great way yeah uh, to do it for people
0: yeah absolutely um, it's a lot easier to kind of like place yourself in that situation right and having uh, seeing this sort of like thought process or how one can make decisions uh, rather than just uh, sort of arbitrary words um, and yeah it's so interesting right because it's like there's this sense in which you can have companies that are sort of directed top down right where you have somebody that's sort of uh, setting out all of the the missions all of the plans all of the kinds of things and that 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 works to a certain point it works to a certain scale but then you have to, uh, for a lot of reasons, retention and all this kind of stuff, uh, enable people to make their own decisions, right? And having really good, well-established values and principles and mission statements and the sort of like why and how is kind of the only way that people can do those independent decisions in a way that's uh, aligned. Right?
1: Yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. it's interesting. I believe it's Netflix. Uh, uh, Greed Hastings, I believe, uh, who initially they had a lot of manuals, like how mm. to do things, and it was like really nice to work. And then he realized that uh, if you have people who love manuals, then mm. they're not going to be good at decision, like leadership and decision making. Interesting. So he decided to do more high level things. and um, I, I try to also like state what the values and principles are so that, you know, people don't have to think. Don't have to have clear manuals for yeah. decisions. But uh, I think it's you brought up an interesting subject where, like, how much do you, even with the values, how much of it do you want to be top down uh, versus bottom up? Again, I'm gonna bring up Burning Man again because Burning Man is quite successful as an organization, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their its influence on the world. Mm, yeah, uh, I think it had a tremendous amount of influence. Yeah. Uh, memetically,
0: certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, memetically, I was going to say, certainly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: And even financially, for example, oh. <laughs> uh, Dustin yeah. Moskowitz wrote a blog post. He's one of the co founders of Facebook, yeah. where he attributes uh, donating uh, with his wife, I think, or pledging 99% of his wealth yeah. to Burning Man, clearly. Really? <laughs> so, wow. yeah, yeah. So it's just one person, right? Of course, it's a very unusual person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I highly recommend people you know, reading that's this cool. blog post, it's it's pretty short. Uh, so that's one example of how Burning Man impacted the world. Mm-hmm. And now it impacts, you know, children in Africa, uh, right? For example, who are getting, I don't know, bad nets. And yes, some people are having, you know, crazy What's the time. connection there? Yeah. So because the, he pledged a lot of his wealth and they actually started good ventures, and Open philanthropy. And you're saying he
0: pledged it because of his exper- experiences yes, at Burning yeah, yeah. Man? He, okay. he
1: linked it to Burning Man. I but see. Yeah. He said that Burning Man inspired him to do this. Nice. Uh, so I believe Burning Man has a lot of impact this way. So I learned a lot about Burning Man uh, as a, an organization, and culture, I watched a ton of uh, videos with uh, uh, Larry Harvey, who's a founder or co- one of the right. co-founders, yep. and he's a, I think he's an amazing philosopher over Mm -hmm. times. It's, of course, very sad that he passed away recently. Mm -hmm. So, um, and his approach was like, it should come kind of from the bottom, but I think they curated it like informally, but then over time, after a few years, he basically stated out, like he wrote 10 uh, principles based on what worked from the community. So I think Mm. uh, it seems to be working quite well. Interesting. Like in terms of culture is a pretty strong culture where People can be um, under a lot of <laughs> substances, like really drunk, sure. yeah. and then they would still clean up after themselves. Right. Yes, and it would yeah. be fascinating to yeah. me because like they could barely walk and talk, but they had this principle of like leaving no trace and removing trash yes. after themselves. So it was very interesting for me to see like uh, uh, culture uh, in play.
0: And I think there's a couple of things to say that's powerful about those principles. I think one that you mentioned that I just want to highlight was that it was. Uh, derived from sort of things that were noticed to work well, right? Um, Because, you know, sometimes you want to set them out ahead of time, but it also feels like it's useful to sort of uh, search what has been working well, right?
1: Um, Yes, yes. So that's why, like, even though I stated them, like the values and principles, we kind of... uh, we should keep them, I think, a little bit loose, and kind of see what what the people come up with, and I think, uh, kind of just have this dance. Like okay, these are the stated principles because we are so early. It's just two years. Right. It's been two years, and and it's like uh, I'm doing it the first time, right? Yeah. Total noob. Yes, I read a, quite a lot about the values and culture, but still, yeah, it's just really just starting. So, but I think it's good to have some idea of what you want, mm-hmm. and then just see what what works. Yes. And, um, I love the adventure.
0: Yeah. Well, another thing that's so cool about those values is, you know, it's, again, it's easy to sort of put values that anybody could have in their mission statement, but it's hard to have ones that are so precise that I think, like, if you look at the Burning Man values, it would, you read them and you're like, oh, that's Burning Man, right? Like, they are specific enough where it, it is um, almost uh, intrinsically tied to the organization, right? Like they are very specific. Leave no trace. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other ones are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Safety R- therapy. Radical no. inclusion.
1: <laughs> what is it? Radical. There's a lot of yeah. radicals. Yes, yeah. Self- yeah, yeah. Radical self reliance. Radical uh, yeah. self reliance. <laughs> yes, that much is a, Burning a very Burning Man value. Yep. Yes. You would, yes. Very yep. few organizations have that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's
0: good. <laughs> I think the I was hearing from somebody about the Burning Man Rangers are the sort of folks that sort of like help people out. Um, they kind of like the, you know mix between the uh, medical and police emergency you know, whatever but they're very much about that radical self-reliance at least they're supposed to where it's just kind of like the first thing they'll do is they'll just kind of like go over and be like okay how are you going to solve your own problem (laughs) right (laughs) you know and maybe eventually they'll try to connect you to someone but I just love how that ethos is uh, spread throughout the organization and I think to that point right you know um, Harvey just passed, but you know the, the principles were set up in such a way where this organization is without a doubt going to continue along those you know same lines. Which is very very cool.
1: I'm glad yeah. to hear your optimism. Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So you know one of the things that we uh, you know it's I think you know with this whole reroute theme, we always talk about sort of like you know where things could go with the status quo and how they could be better. And I really like this idea of trying to really. Um, Uh, ensure that we enshrine very good values and principles and such into our organizations that are more specific and are sort of updated with all these new learnings. Um, And uh, much in the way, I think in our first episode, we talked about uh, uh, with the Long Now Foundation, it's always about how can you sort of like um, have something around you last longer than you, you know, right? Um, And one of the other things that we were looking at as far as, uh, that I know you've given a lot of thought to, as far as, you know, things that we can strive to sort of do better uh, in this coming century and might be very important, is sort of recognizing human potential, right? Uh, and this is one of the things that I think you guys do throughout Talent. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about how you sort of think about that or sort of yes. why that is such an important thing to you.
1: Yeah. Sure, yes. Um, <clears throat> so I was born and raised here in Bishkek. Right
0: yeah. Here, uh, oh yeah, Greece, yeah, yeah, and and yes. tell the story um, as part of this, yeah.
1: And uh, I was, uh, I would say ambitious as a child. Uh, I remember wanting to win a Nobel Prize at some point, when nice. I was like, I don't know, nine, or 10, and then um, when I became a teenager, I lost a lot of interest in education. I think mm. I feel like it was a lot of forced education, it was kind of a, it was becoming a bit of a rebel. Yeah, I like computer science and, uh, uh, and math, mm. I was really good there, it was easy for me but everything else pretty much was, I rebelled against. <laughs> yeah. It was very difficult for me to study and I was getting worse grades and uh, my self-esteem was kind of getting lower and lower. Uh, and I think it's maybe the environment or you know, just growing older and I kind of forgot that ambition. And then I got into college and a uh, similar thing happened where I was like really focused on certain subjects I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. and I'm getting bad grades everyone everywhere else. And um, my ambition changed drastically. I remember uh, the biggest ambition I had is to get a master's degree in Japan. It was uh, part of my password even. <laughs> I was just trying to kind of, it's kind of like a self-affirmation yeah. uh, to do it. And then I graduated with a lot of difficulty. <laughs> my GPA was 2.9 out of 4. Uh, it was even hard to get there um, and then I stayed with that GPA, it was very hard to get scholarships for master's degree this is wild, I man. didn't have I much really money. Yeah. yeah. So I, I found one scholarship but you had to, for Japan, but you had to have, to have two years of experience but mm-hmm. to be of a certain age, yes. really like that role. Um, but yeah, so I ha- you had to spend two years like just get work, work experience, so I decided, okay, I'm just gonna be in Kyrgyzstan for two years, just do something, and I would just take random freelance jobs and mm-hmm. uh, work in a bunch of companies. Uh, my salary at the time, well, I didn't have proper salary, but I, I approximate the total income I would get in a year as $4,000, uh, so it's not that much, and it was very intermittent. Yeah, And that's when I get this email saying, hey, uh, would you be interested in working at Google? <laughs> it has a fun working environment yep. like table tennis, like uh, ping pong tables, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, medical insurance, paid education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I was like, looks like a scam. Why would they find me? <laughs> yes, uh, I was very suspicious. Um, and uh, I remember my, my mom was sure it was a scam. She was like, don't reply, <laughs> don't send them anymore. <laughs> um, then turns out they, they found my resume online on monster.com. Yeah, And the only reason I had the resume there was uh, a visiting American teacher, mm-hmm. named Gail. Yeah. Uh, in college, she forced us, basically, to create a resume online as homework. Nice. And uh, I s- just, ever since, I kept it up to date. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to remember my accomplishments. Yeah. I thought I would forget them. So I just kept it up to date. And I would sometimes visit the website to see what what skills are in demand? Usually, well, like what programming languages are yeah. in demand? Because I knew in Kyrgyzstan we use, we don't, we use not very modern programming okay. languages, and that's how they found me. And it turns out it was actually Google, and I applied. I well, so, what
0: were the sorts of things on your resume at this time? Like,
1: I, yes, yeah, so it was a mixed bag of things. Yeah, um, and I asked the recruiter later, the Google recruiter, like what what, what interested them. Yeah, and I mean, I had a lot of work experience, even though I just graduated. Mm-hmm. I started working from the first uh, first year. Well, actually, I, I did a website for my high school too. Uh, so I had a lot of work experience. I stayed to work as a teacher of computer mm-hmm. science just after graduation. I think I was the, maybe young, the youngest teacher in the history. Nice. Um, yeah, most of the students, like a lot of the students were older than me. and. <laughs> wow. uh, uh i learned italian and japanese nice. and i had like a one italian scholarship so i spent some time in italy learning italian language and culture nice. We were learning italian gestures so he literally had a lesson on <laughs> italian gestures <laughs> awesome. there's like these are the gestures of this part of italy and these are like sicilian gestures it was one of my favorite lessons yeah um, and uh, so languages teaching uh so yes they that's what they saw that i had Technical skills like programming languages. They, I had soft skills you know, mm-hmm. since I could explain, and I had a bunch of awards, and I was good at languages, and it was useful for the search quality team at Google, yep. where you had to have all of those, all of those skills, and that's actually interesting because in in the real world, a lot of jobs require a mixed grab of skills, mm. uh, so like a grab bag of skills. Yep. And you don't know which ones you're gonna match, and then if you're lucky, uh, you know that's that's you know you will find something, or you you need to have a lot of you know apply to many many jobs. But that's one of the things I learned. Nice. Yeah. So they brought you on as part
0: of the uh, search quality team.
1: Yes, and uh, he he was uh, always like a weak spot, (laughs) right? Uh, uh, There's a fancier way to explain this job, which is more like investigative, you know, CIA kind of uh, FBI type of investigations where you investigate um, criminal networks almost Mm. uh, of like uh, very smart people trying to get into search results by tricking Google. And -hmm. those people, they would use, that was like 2007, they would use their own version of AI with like Markov chains okay, to yep. generate websites which would look like they generated by a human. And
0: just for the those yeah, by who aren't familiar
1: with Markov chains, it's
0: basically just like, it's kind of like autocomplete, uh, autocomplete, right? It's like the thing on your cell phone where it like keeps writing the sentence based on other...
1: Yes. Is it fair? Yeah. Yes, yes, so yeah. it's a yeah. statistical yeah. technique to yeah. kind of generate sentences. Yeah. And even as a human, pretty educated human, it would be very difficult to say, was it actually a weird human who wrote it, <laughs> uh, in a weird state, right. or uh, maybe somebody with like a mental health problem, or was it actually auto-generated? So it was quite interesting. That was before n- neural networks kind of had a resurgence, yep. right? um, and it was, it was really fascinating to kind of battle against them because it was kind of a war, right? it was a, it was a cat and mouse game as well. And on the other hand, the less fancier way to describe it was like internet janitors, because <laughs> yeah. we look at the worst parts of the internet, right. a yeah. ton of porn, yeah. a, really bad looking pages, and you look at them for a really long time. Yeah. So that was the way to kind of get into Google. Right. And later I would get fancier and fancier uh, jobs, but honestly, it was a very interesting time. I, I was really enjoying it, to be honest, yeah. for some time. Uh, after a while, <laughs> it gets <laughs> it gets boring, uh, yeah. but yes, those very very interesting years. There's a couple of key things I remember.
0: You I don't remember the specifics, but they got you recognized uh, to to sort of jump up in Google. Wasn't there? Uh, was it the translation stuff that you were working on, or what was the? Yeah. yeah
1: so um, my main work was focusing on search quality in the Russian language. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in parallel. Uh, because I knew Kyrgyz language, yeah. uh, uh, they asked to. Um, oh, they had this bug hunt across mm-hmm. Google, where if you find bugs in a certain language, you get an award. And I thought, okay, I, I'm gonna sign up. I know Kyrgyz language, yeah. And uh, I started looking for uh, uh, for typos in Kyrgyz language. Ah, and what's cool about Google, it allowed users to translate pages to any language. Oh yeah. Uh, the the disadvantage of it, <laughs> there there were a lot of typos sure. on like a user interface, and for me it was very easy to find those typos. Yeah. And I ended up, I think, winning either at first place or second place. So I won an award across whole Google uh, for finding most bugs in nice. the language. And for me, that's where I realized like knowing my Kyrgyz language could yeah. be an adva- It's not a useless thing, completely. Yeah, it could be some advantage. Yeah, and then uh, I signed up uh, on the website on like a database that I know this language, and then I was asked to translate a uh, Google holiday logo, a Google Doodle. Yeah,
0: yeah, nice. right.
1: So I would spend, so I spent about a uh, few minutes, like two or three minutes, to translate. Happy New Year in Kyrgyz language. How yep. much time does it take? It's right. like seconds. So I translated it. And then for New Year's, they launched it for the first time with the Kyrgyz, uh, basically, you know, alt text, when you roll over your mouse and yeah. the logo. Right. It just shows in Kyrgyz jungle journalist Yeah, nice. And uh, once it's launched, I had a Twitter account, so I tweeted about it. It's like, hey guys, you know, we are launched, this is gonna be in Kyrgyz language now. And that, made the news in Kyrgyzstan, nice. and the news was like, oh, Google's starting to speak, you know, Kyrgyz, and yeah. it was like a, it's like maybe the big, in some ways, the biggest holiday in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, so it created a ton of positive news, and my relatives started calling my parents, and congratulating them, <laughs> nice. and, you know, I, I could have been working like 100 hours, or I don't know, many hours a week on one thing, like a search quality, mm-hmm. would get, no social recognition. Right, right. But, you know, a little bit from my manager, maybe. Sure. And then I, was, I, you know, I, I spent a few seconds and I got so much recognition from the whole country. Yeah. got multiple news um, articles about it. And yes, got you know, my parents were very happy. So I, that's, since then, I realized it like, you know, could be good use of my time to do things there. And I started doing more and more projects like that. And the biggest projects I launched is Google Translate. In, nice. yep. in our language, so you know, I initiated it and uh, helped organize. Then Google Street View uh, yep. uh, and also having Google servers in in Kyrgyzstan, so that we could cache the most popular videos mm. and you know Android apps locally. What it it makes um, the download much faster and much cheaper for the users and for the country itself for the for the mobile operators. Basically, increased the YouTube traffic in a country about threefold within six months. Is that the right? The whole wow. country. Yes. Yeah. And again, I spent like three hours. Yeah. It's like one of the most efficient users of my times ever. Uh, um, so I realized, yeah. like, maybe I should do more of that. Yes. It seems way more efficient, like hundred x right. more. Um, so that's kind of what's been happening. It's like one of the things that's been happening. And that seems in my so much. Google.
0: Yeah, so much the way of kind of finding. Um, uh, ways of sort of moving up in the world or creating more impact or doing whatever is, it always requires that kind of creativity, right? It's like not doing the sort of path that was laid out, it's finding like the small little
1: places to. Yes. And it's yeah. it's one of the stories of following your passion. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, Steve Jobs has his own story and everyone yep. has their own story. And this is my story. I'd like followed either passion or just natural curiosity. Yep. Like, yeah. I, you know, Kyrgyz language, just, I'm just going to. When I was translating Google holiday logo, yep. I did not think this will be good for my career. Like zero chance. Like that was totally not what I was doing it. I was just mm-hmm. doing it for fun, and I just thought it was gonna be cool. And I was yep. not doing it for social recognition. I don't believe so. Sure. But just that it would be cool. Yeah. Google yeah. is gonna speak Kyrgyz language. Wouldn't be. That was like also takes few seconds. That's awesome. Uh, and I'm, i just following this natural curiosity and natural passion. Just led me to like. Really, really big project. And I met uh, former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt. Yep, nice. And his team through this way, I would say. Yep. And uh, for my colleagues, it was a big deal. It's like, oh, wow, Tilek, you you met Eric Schmidt. Yeah. (laughs) And because before that, I thought this is like a forgotten, it it was actually a forgotten region, Central Asia. Mm. If I talk to heads of uh, Asia Pacific at Google, APAC, they would be like, I don't know if Central Asia is in Asia. It's like they speak Russian. If I sure. talk to Europe, Middle East, Africa, it's like, I don't know if Central Asia is in Europe, it's Asia. Right. And we're like, it's supposed it speaks Russian, but we're really busy with Russia. Yeah. Like Russia is a very difficult market for Google. Uh-huh. And it was it was clearly forgotten, like literally forgotten, yeah, in the lists of Countries, yep. you would not be in the Europe, Middle East, Africa, and would not be in Asia Pacific. Wow! Uh, yeah, and uh, so that's how I found my niche, right? So I feel like sometimes in the world, you can stumble upon a niche, yeah, uh, which nobody yes. cares about, yeah, and then that's where you can, you know, grow in very unusual, unpredictable ways.
0: Yeah, and that feels like a very good lesson for you know, because as we're sort of talking about this. Um, you know, helping people find their, their human potential, their sort of route to impact and all that kind of stuff, it feels like that is the, um, that's such a key lesson, right, is, you know.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, so with Google, one big lesson I was supposed to get is that I underestimated myself, yeah. right? I thought, yeah. I never thought of applying to Google myself mm-hmm. or even abroad because I thought I was not good enough mm-hmm. because I would get rejections even locally in Kyrgyzstan. Sure. From, from employers, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's funny to compare myself to Einstein, but like, it was very fascinating to me that even Einstein had a ton of rejections trying right. to apply for jobs, yep. it was completely under, undervalued, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So it's a story of everyone, I believe. I don't think it's just, uh, you know, Einstein. So if you get a ton of re- rejections from employers, it could be totally not you, it could be them. They right. just cannot recognize your talent. Yeah, and your skills. So, I was supposed to get learn that lesson, but I think I didn't learn it from the first time. Mm-hmm. When I was applying from uh, Google uh, in Europe to move to US, because that was a, another dream of mine, I applied to a lot of uh, teams and I got a lot of rejections, mm-hmm. and I already was giving up uh, and wanted to leave Google to kind of move back to Kyrgyzstan to do, focus on education. Uh, and then a friend of mine, Sohair, she said, "Oh, Tilak, you should talk to Google X. Yeah, uh, uh, they have you know cool teams and are all there." And uh, I already mentioned my high school that where basically I didn't remember any physics or chemistry <laughs> sure. or biology. I thought, and I didn't have any experience with hardware. And Google X was all about a lot of it, about hardware yep. and like yep. balloons and drones and robots and cars. I thought, Suhair uh, I think I'm going to waste their time, <laughs> so thank you very much, yeah. I, I don't think I should meet them. And she said, oh, but yeah, just meet a friend of mine, she, he's really nice, maybe in the future they will have a role for you, what do you have to lose? I said, okay, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, And uh, I met uh, Mauro, uh, uh, he was... Uh, 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 focus on the business side of of, uh, Project Loon, the balloon internet for developing countries. Mm -hmm. And we really hit it off. Uh, I think just uh, got great chemistry together. We realized we have a lot of passion for emerging markets, for connectivity. And we realized that a lot of the, again, another weird set of skills I had was uniquely applicable for him. And the skill set was like working on developing countries, working with telecom, you know, telcos working on like Wi-Fi, um, working on maps, and, and like, there were like six, seven skills. And when I was uh, use, using those skills, applying for other roles, like clear roles, like product manager on YouTube, or partnership manager out there, or developer relations, I, was, I wasn't good enough for like one particular role. Hmm. I, was, I was too general, too much of a generalist. Sure, I ended up being too much of a generalist. But I was weirdly applicable for this role, plus it was chemistry. And uh, in the end, that's the only job I got. It was Google X, it was the hardest one. And I think that's the last time I underestimated myself. Maybe now I overestimate <laughs> myself. But what? I really, I don't think I underestimated. I decided mm-hmm. never ever to do it again. Yeah, I would rather make a mistake of overestimating uh, my potential, and I do that the same for other people. Hmm. Right. So if everyone anyone applies to our talents, says I wanna work at SpaceX or yep. wherever, Disney Netflix, I always think they can do it. Absolutely. Uh, and I always just kind of discuss how they can do it instead of whether they can do it or not.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure most of our listeners probably know about Google X, but for those who don't, it's like the it's like the elite of the elite craziest moonshot projects that Google does. And yeah, it's what was it uh what well, <laughs> Uh, without going into anything you can't talk about, what was, the, um, what was something that you um, appreciated the most about working there, and then what was one of the things that was the most frustrating <laughs> about working
1: there? Uh, interesting, yes. Uh, appreciated, I mean, the, the level of talent is just crazy. Uh, had yeah. people who uh, assemble helicopters yeah. in their spare time. Wow. And there were people who, from various backgrounds, was sculptors and fashion designers. All working on the same project, uh, on, the, on the same roof. Yeah, I thought that blew, blew my knowledge. mind. I don't know if we can talk
0: about what project it was, but the fact that they brought in a fashion designer to do some yes, hardcore engineering yes, work—very yeah. proud
1: as Pam. Yeah. Uh, so it was fascinating. Uh, the diversity of talent. Yeah. Uh, really, kind of. Uh, it shows how diversity can actually help. Mm-hmm. You know, neural, mental diversity, uh, and in addition to you know, ethnic right. and gender diversity. So, uh, the level of talent, they're, they're all on the same roof. It's like one big building uh, and it really tries to make sure most, most people are there. Yep. It's very hard to maintain, but that, that's amazing that you know, people with all of these backgrounds are on the same roof, so that's extremely unique and um, extremely grateful that I managed to, uh, to, uh, to get there and spend some time there. Um, I mean, the culture, I learned a lot uh, from there in terms of innovation. One of my favorite things is uh, about being weird, not, mm. not to be afraid to be weird. Yeah. Because uh, the belief is that to, to be really innovative and uh, coming up with genuinely new things, uh, you have to be less afraid of social um, uh uh, social opinions, yes. And just, in, just in the everyday life. And Teller who is the CEO of X, mm-hmm. uh, sets a great example by always being, almost always being on rollerblades, right? And uh, sometimes like walking up the stairs with like a big tray, like full of food and drink. Yeah. Uh, like that is just uh, very cool to see. Oh, I um, love
0: you. I love to hear you plug in that, uh, encouraging people to be weird. That was one of the. Um when we were talking with uh, Sean Faircloth, that uh, mayor and state senator guy, that was a lot about what we were talking about, was uh, how to encourage people who are more weird to get into politics, right? Because a lot of people self-censor, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, huge censorship in politics, for sure, self-censorship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think, and I think it went too far, and I think uh, that's one of the reasons Donald Trump won, right, it's mm. Just be- because he, he appeared to be more genuine Right. Uh, yeah. And like speak what on his mind and things right. like that. People uh, are kind of I think of it sick went too far, yes. Yeah. And I think with new politics, you know, uh, like Andrew Yang, yeah. you can be weird and genuine. I think he's yes. like there's new wave of politicians that are learning mm-hmm. how to kind of be honest and, and a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's one of the, one of the things I, I learned on my. Uh, I cherish uh, from nice. from X,
0: and then what was frustrating M-
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing, I think the level of risk mm. uh, I've been leading my own project for the last two years, yeah, and I realized that uh, if I make a mistake, if I use somebody's data source and mm. uh, they used, they copied Oracle's data, let's say. Oh, Google yeah. can be sued for billions of dollars. Right, right. And the job of lawyers is to prevent that. Yeah. And if you're a small startup, you know, it's probably fine. Yeah. But if you're Google, even if you're at X, you still have that risk because right. legally you're still Google. Yeah. And Oracle will be really happy to see you yes. <laughs> if you have a little bit of their data. So I realize there's a lot of risk involved. Even though they try to make sure it's like a startup, Mm -hmm. it's the there's attacks I have so the most freedom, where Astro would say, you know, my job is to set the rules and your job is to break them. (laughs) 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 Who else says that as a CEO? Yeah, and uh, so I really like was really enjoying a lot of freedom there, but still Mm. there's a limit, and it's just natural. Yeah, and what's cool is it. It encouraged me to start my own company because yeah. I realized, like, I felt all the challenges that a big organization has to right. do the same thing. Yeah, so totally. I'm really not afraid to compete with Google on anything. Yeah, because yeah. I know it's another side. Yeah, like that's any funny. project. Yeah, any project, like whatever, just Google Calendar, even search. Yeah, and I feel like I know it's another side. It's, yes, it's going to be dif- it's difficult to compete with Google, but yeah. there's so many challenges like bureaucracy yes. and politics. Like, I think Google's doing a tremendous job, but still, there's just natural politics that's going to be in any big organization. Yeah. Uh, And just feeling it through just encouraged me (laughs) to start the company.
0: Uh, Man, when we were doing uh, technical diligence on the Altspace acquisition, it just Mm -hmm. blew my mind, some of the things. Like, it was, and it made sense what you look at it, but, like, um, they, like, ran our code base through, like, a search engine that pulled every single, like, line of code that was taken from Stack Overflow and, like, found every, like, you know, it's just all these things where you're, like, you never think about <laughs> copying a line of Stack Overflow, yeah. but then, like, you know, they have this, you know, uh, just, like, every, you know, we had to look at every single... Like library that was being you know in in npm that was linked into node like our node projects and like oh it's just nuts and yeah
1: so. well we have to say thanks to Larry Ellison <laughs> 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 well I'm glad Google won that lawsuit I think it's a big win for yeah. tech in general
0: this was the copying the APIs right is that what you were talking Java, about Java yeah yeah, so yeah Java yeah uh, or uh, making uh, uh, compatible APIs why don't we put it that way yeah yeah so yeah, tell me, you know, I I uh, I feel like one of the things that was interesting for me was the, you know, so one of the topics, we talked about sort of like rationality, uh, and there's also this... I
1: get so excited every time I hear this word. Good, good, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> I just get, uh, yeah. too excited, yes. All right. So we
0: have rationality, which is this kind of like, you know, how do we think better? How do we sort of like achieve our goals? How do we, you know, be like, you know, and there, there's like a broad way you can have the definition. There's more narrow ways. Um, and there's also this sort of sort of like effective altruism movement that goes alongside of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, kind of like uh, maybe more Im- like impact conscious rationality or sort of rationality towards impact, maybe mm-hmm. would be like yes. a way of putting it. And uh, one of the things that as we were talking about kind of creativity and, and sort of like finding creative ways of doing like n- different niches or different types of work, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is that when I see people who are sort of creating... Uh, companies or projects that have some sort of impact angle, it's rarely sort of obvious. Like, it's not like an obvious project. It's got some sort of, um, you know, maybe the impact is almost a little bit of a secondary effect or it's sort of like a sort of strange sort of way of approaching it, but still you can sort of see how it's doing it. And maybe you can t- talk a little bit about how you were thinking about kind of like amplifying like rationality and stuff like that through like outtelling because I know you.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes, there's two subjects. So one is why how is our talent related to rationality? Yeah, and second in general uh, on like doing good as a company. Yeah, and uh, I believe a better way to, to build a company is through a concept that I uh, That is called Ikigai. Have you discussed mm. this? Uh, tell me. Yeah. yeah, so Ikigai is a Japanese word, mm. which is translated approximately as Uh, the reason for being Mm. the meaning of life and um, Mm. there's different interpretations of it one interpretation that I like is when like your career is what what you do your profession is uh, is like an uh, overlap of four circles like a Venn diagram Uh, one of them is things you're good at Mm. second is things you enjoy doing third thing is Things you can get paid for, yeah. And fourth thing is things that the world needs. Nice. And I believe if you're in the middle of this, mm-hmm. it is uh, going to be really great for you personally because you're going to be very happy and going to be very productive, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very good for the organization because uh, well, it's pretty much product market fit, right? Because you're for doing sure. what the market needs, but if you also do what the world needs, because mm-hmm. oftentimes it's different, right? Yeah. Uh, like climate change is a good example. Right. Like what market needs may not be what the world needs or AI, AI safety, but if you're really in the middle, then you're going to be very happy and the, the whole kind of uh, the world around you will want you to win, right? Because you're yeah. doing something good for the world. Yeah. So that's the framework that are used to come up with with the company. And I would love for more people to use this framework. Yeah. Uh, Most startups that I've seen don't really think this way. Mm. Uh, So, and I thought like, what are the things that I want to see in the world? Like where do I want to reroute the future? Yeah. And what I want to see is, I want people to uh, be more rational, just uh, generally, and I use the word I realized I use the word rationality differently from most people, yeah. <laughs> so I have to specify Please. what I mean. Yeah. And I think the biggest difference is uh, it doesn't rational uh, actions is when you do something that is actually better for you, uh, and it does not mean not using emotions or intuition. Right. I think it's actually irrational never to leverage emotions sure. or be emotional or never to leverage intuition. Uh-huh. Sometimes yeah. like you coming to Kyrgyzstan during the pandemic right. could actually be rational, <laughs> yeah. but maybe you cannot explain it. Right, But you kind of, you thought of your biases, you thought yeah. of your goals and you feel like, well, for this task, I'm gonna use intuition. Yeah. There's a certain level of risk. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to take this risk. So yeah. I think it's actually rational, even though it's very intuitive and oftentimes and, unexplainable. Yeah,
0: and when else would I sort of see how a country like Kyrgyzstan is navigating a pandemic too, right? Like, you know,
1: yes. yeah. I think you're going to gain a lot from this visit. Yeah, And I think I of it as yeah. potentially a very rational decision. Yeah. Uh, and And rational thinking is critical thinking where you kind of use the best of human thinking and try to avoid all of the Mm. Weaknesses of human thinking, uh, like you know, a lot of the <laughs> the zoo of biases, right? Th- yes, that, that we have. Um, so that's how I think of the word rationality. So the world I would like to live in is where uh, people are rational. Mm-hmm. So in in the, in the beginning, if you asked me like ten years ago, I th- I would say I would like to live in a world where everyone is smart and educated. Sure, because uh, in this way. You can have more equality, more democracy, and you don't need to kind of have fences around your house, right? I, I just visited LA right. recently, uh, and I was fascinated by this uh, Venice area with the with the canals, where there's pretty much no fences. Like extremely hmm. expensive houses, no fences. Yeah, I thought like it would be really cool if the whole world was like this. Yeah. Everyone has like a nice place, and you don't need to guard against other people, right? and we can live in, you know, we don't need to have surveillance and you can have a lot of freedoms where you can use, I don't know, different substances sure. to, yeah. to explore your consciousness. And, and for that, I think you, you need people to be smart, but mm-hmm. I think the core part of being smart, I think is rationality. Uh, like you don't need to know all the physics and chemistry mm-hmm. and remember when Napoleon lived uh, but I feel like rationality is the heart of it, where if you don't have rationality and you read million books, I don't think it's gonna help you because you can do stupid things yeah. otherwise. So I feel like rationality is the core. So um, my mission is to kind of help people, the way I see it is uh, help spread rationality across you know the whole world equally. Nice. And, but as a business, you have to do something that people want. Sure. Something yeah. that people like look for. And that I they love, know that they want, right? Yes. Yeah. And I love how Elon kind of came up with uh, uh, how Elon developed Tesla, right? Mm. He thought he was really into electric cars and he thought electric cars is the future. It's cool and it's good for the environment. Yeah. And we need to develop them. And at the time, electric cars were completely not sexy. Sure. Yeah. Completely not sexy. Yeah. And he thought, okay electric cars are good for the world, but we need to make them really sexy and, and yes. attractive. Yeah. And that's how Tesla is growing, and I love one of my favorite companies. Uh, and I thought of the same way of rationality, like, how can you make rationality sexy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, I,
1: and I thought, well, one way is to, it has to deliver some really amazing uh, results. Because for mm-hmm. me, the way it helped is, it helped me get great results in my career. And I thought we need to, and careers is something I know more about like international career, I know something more about than, than most people, I would say. Yeah. And um, I thought I should do something there and I should deliver amazing results in a career. So where people can go from place A to place B, we could be 10X or 100X in, in, in any dimension. Yeah. And once you deliver that, then people would kind of want to learn like, how do I do the same? And uh, one of the answers will be rationality. Yeah because that's kind of at the heart of our company mm-hmm. and kind of also we and test your the values hypothesis. right is that right? it's one of yes it's one of our four values yep. uh, it's kind of be be more rational yep. and um, that's the way kind of that's what makes me really excited that I can deliver this through an organization and it i believe it's working nice. we helped 25 people get uh, top jobs, like yeah. top companies like Google and Facebook and uh, these are the companies, they write in. We, when people come to our talent, we ask them, what are the top 10 companies you want to join? Yeah. So they write in and in, in the region we were operating, Russian speaking region, number one was Google number one number second was Facebook. Mm-hmm. And really like our top employers represent that. Mm-hmm. Number one is Google, number two is Facebook. So I believe it's working nice. uh, and we're now spreading it around the world. Well, I thought
0: that was so interesting because you both, um, you know, because you have to have criteria on sort of who you're accepting into the program, uh, and then you also sort of, you know, develop their skills and stuff, right? And so I thought it was interesting that you both kind of have um, rationality and critical thinking as something that you're looking for in people, and it also feels like you're trying to help them uh, develop that in order to sort of further themselves, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, f-
1: in the beginning, we were just looking for already existing rationale. Yep. because we did not have time to teach you know sunk cost fallacy for now we still don't uh what is that what i forget what that sunk cost fallacy oh sunk cost yeah sun yeah, cost. yeah. Yes, yes, totally yes. Yeah, yes. yeah yeah it's uh, you know it's an I, I love this concept and i'm really always looking for the like do i have sunk cost somewhere in my life I have just for a, folks who might not next. know please tell, please explain
0: tell uh, yeah okay yeah so it's uh you know sunk cost fallacy is basically like you know if you've um, you can only act from where you are, right? And so, um, even if you've, say, poured a ton of money into a boat or a uh, you know a job or something like that, um, and it's no longer working for you or it's no longer wanting uh, what you want to do, you have you can only act from where you are, and you have to sort of ignore the fact that you've already sunk a bunch of cost into whatever uh, 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 that you are trying to decide whether to continue or not. And it's, uh, there's kind of like a uh, colloquialism, like throwing good money after bad money or whatever. Like, uh, it's like, do you put more money into something that you already put into a, a lot of money into that isn't working out or whatever, yes. right? Yeah, so.
1: Yeah, so like, I already invested a lot of money in this stock. So. Right, yeah. Um, but I think the, the most popular one is when you're studying for a long time for mm-hmm. something, like yeah. a do- being a doctor.
0: Sure, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. And
1: I, I, know, I have a friend who's like, started to be a doctor and then worked as a doctor for some time. Oh. And then he realized that it's not his thing. Right. But you already sunk not in, invested in some right. ways, like eight years of your life, and then he realized he wanted to be a software engineer, so he switched. Uh, but he realizes that a lot of his knowledge is actually not gonna be applicable. Mm, well, it depends yeah. on your yeah, philosophy. You could say it's always useful, it, sure. it, it will come out in some way. But that's one of the difficulties for, uh, for people is, because they feel they f- it's, they, they don't want to. There's like a loss aversion. They don't want to yes. feel like they lost a lot of time. But right, it can really mess up your life in the future if you just keep doing what. Yeah, what is not best for you. It's
0: more, uh, loss aversion being. It's it's more painful to give up something than you feel good about getting something. Right. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. And. So I am fascinated by those concepts and I, will, I would love for us to start teaching them at some yeah, point. Yeah. We're not yet there, but right. we're getting there. For example, for now, I found an online course which nice. teaches critical thinking. And now if we see that some people may have a problem with it mm-hmm. uh, based on the interview,
0: yep.
1: we're starting to recommend it as an experiment. Yep. And the first person I recommended it to took it really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. I think
1: mean, he took it well and he, he was very grateful because he was not familiar with a lot of those concepts. Yeah. And he thought they are actually very useful mm-hmm. for his life and his career. Uh, so we want to do more of that and we want to make it much more explicit that we are looking for critical thinking. yeah, uh, And rational actions, it's like a lot of it we test because we have a trial period. Before you join our talent, there's like a three week, used to be six months, three, six weeks. There's like a multi-week period where we see if people are doing what they're supposed to do. So yeah. that's how we kind of check their rational actions.
0: Nice. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, right? Because you used to see a lot of uh, the kind of uh, kind of absurd questions that felt like they were testing critical thinking skills, like, you know, how do you uh, how? <laughs> like you hear these, you know, how many golf balls fit in the uh, truck, or like, you know, how do you get like you have these sort of like crazy mind experiments that. Uh, uh, that Microsoft would ask. But I feel like the way that I've seen those sort of critical thinking skills, um, or maybe something that's kind of like adjacent to it, but close is just in, te- in interviews, you know, where you ask like, you know, oh, well, like let's design a, a system together. Like how are we gonna design a system that does X, Y, and Z? And you just kind of like see how willing people are to like ideate with you, to, to think creatively, to sort of critique their own ideas as they're doing it, right? It's not the sort of like, um, there's a specific answer to this, right? It's like, how do we, how do we be creative together?
1: Yes, and you can see if people are used to meta-thinking. Right. Right, uh, it's like, oh, I, I wanna say this, but I could be wrong, mm-hmm. That's when I hear that, I already feel like, that's already unusual. Yeah. Like a lot of times people just say, when they choose a technology, kind of, if you ask them, how would you build this type of uh, service? They just say, I oh, would we'll use this technology, and you ask why, and it's like, well, it's one, it's the only one I know, or, or they just come up with like, oh, it's faster. Like, is it always faster? Mm-hmm. No, it's faster in certain cases, not, not in other cases. But a lot of times, people just don't get into that depth. Mm-hmm. They just have this very abstract high level thinking where it's just like, oh, this is better than this, or this is faster than this. Sure. Uh, but with, with critical thinking, you're like, you, you go into details and you self analyze. Yeah. Awesome. So,
0: you know, one of the um, yeah, I like you know, one of the things that you know, we were talking a little bit about on uh, the rationality stuff that I feel like is so important that you were sort of pointing out is like that if we can raise this level of. Uh, rationality, I think it it helps out in so many different ways, right? And Maybe there's a, you know, maybe you could also call it wisdom, or there, there, there's like a Venn diagram where there's sort of parts that are both of that, but sort of this, this raising, this sort of rationality or wisdom, both, I thought it was interesting to think of it both from like, you know, everybody, right, and like citizenry, and also like of leadership, and of sort of government and stuff like that, and it feels like such a critical way of kind of improving the world. Um, I'm curious if we can kind of, you like uh, take that and pivot towards kind of um, uh, Kyrgyzstan uh, yes. in general, and sort of where um, we can talk for a minute about what it would look like for Kyrgyzstan to kind of like flourish and sort of grow over the next few decades. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: and again, my my approach, my hammer to uh, yeah. to, uh, to all the nails is you know rationality. And actually, so I had this view at the CIFAR training, and I, uh, it, my view was different from uh, other people. For a lot of people, the view is, you, well, I kind of agree with that too. So like, it's most important to, to focus on making sure some people are more rational, right? Say, mm. top AI developers. If they are rational, they're gonna come up with uh, super intelligence, that's the most important thing. And sure. I kind of agree with that view. But that was before Trump became president, yeah. And I think Trump just showed that what happens is if a lot of people are you know, not very good at rationality, right? If QAnon is like, if a lot of conspiracy, like if they, are big, if like QAnon uh, members get into into politics, it just shows what what happens. And in Kyrgyzstan, uh, it's uh, somewhat interesting, somewhat similar situation where Ministry of Health. Is recommending to use uh, a poisonous root uh, to yeah. cure coronavirus. Right. And uh, I think some people. I, it's I not that know. different some from the things, bleach. Some people died, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, He yeah. drank this. Yeah. Uh, 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 I think like a liquid from this root. Right. Uh, on national TV. Yeah. And it's kind of similar to when. Trump said, you should uh, put bleach, right, in right, blood. Or, at least at Trump least, didn't do it. I, well, I was going to say, at least this
0: time, yeah, money where his mouth is. <laughs> at least he drank it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so I see it everywhere. Yeah. And um, as long as this is going to happen, we're going to have challenges in politics. We're going to have uh, very strong lobbies. We're going to have uh, populist politicians and... And I think the countries which are where rationality is more distributed, like Sweden, I think, mm. uh, or, or Switzerland, I think, countries work better. They have other weaknesses, like sure, yeah, uh, helping people develop their ambition. Uh, so I feel like we could strike the right balance, uh, but with Kyrgyzstan, I feel. We need to show that rationality, we need to make it sexy, and I think it's becoming mm. so. Like, tech is becoming, like, becoming a software engineer is definitely becoming sexier. Where yep. when I was right. uh, getting to college in 2001, like, software engineering was one of the least sexy positions. Mm. Now, and the business administration was the hardest one. Now, like, two years ago, I was told that for the first time, software engineering became the most popular um, department in this college. So so times are changing and I'm sure we can get the same place with rationality and what's going to happen is people are going to support smarter politicians mm. uh, because it's going to be better for them. And uh, right now it's not the case totally, absolutely yeah. not the case uh, where people are using their intuition, emotions too much mm. and shortcuts. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's from my region, or, or you know, he says nice things. And, I mean, it's the same everywhere around the world, yeah. pretty much, but I think we do have a, a bit of a crisis, but mm-hmm. it's definitely improving.
0: I uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I think there also, there's also a way of uh, literally making it more sexy, where it's like, I like when I when I like attracted to partners now. It's like uh, I, I I like the way you think,
1: <laughs> you know, right? When you do what?
0: Like I like the way you think. Like I'm attracted to the way that you think. Like and you know like you know it rationality or whatever. But like that it's um, I think there is a uh, and it's the same thing with friends. Like I know one of the way, like reasons why I think that uh, I like you and I click so much is like I really appreciate the way that you think. You know, right? And, like,
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Same here. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> So I think the more that those kind of like memes spread and then once you, you know, we were talking a little bit um, on one of the recent episodes about sort of designing desire or sort of changing what you want. and I think that's totally possible. Like the more that I started to pay attention to the way that people thought uh, and sort of appreciate it, the more that I was kind of attracted to that, right? And I feel like this is something that can sort of grow and change.
1: um, Yeah, and I think like podcasts like yours is just, so you have certain values mm -hmm. and like you are now growing them. If you were not doing the podcast, if you were just like watching TV at this time, yeah. then you would not be kind of uh, investing in those values. And mm-hmm. The more we invest in rationality and similar values, then the more the more they're gonna win.
0: One of the other things that I was uh, struck by was that you have um, you know, there's amazing sort of uh, activists and uh, folks everywhere that are really trying to make a difference and it seems like there's a lot of uh, very useful leverage um in sort of more developing countries of supporting those activists and I'm hoping you know it's always a little bit tricky because people need to keep you know low profile sometimes or whatever. but I hope that we uh were able to maybe give them a plug in the show notes because there's some pretty cool people doing pretty cool things here, and it feels like um you know what might uh resources that might make a small difference in um you know, richer countries might make a much larger difference in the places like this, so, uh,
1: yeah. Yes, so yeah. Uh, do you want me to talk about the organizations here? Or? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, tell me. I mean, there are some really amazing, well, in every country there are amazing people, and of course, Kyrgyz is one, and people who are, like, managed to develop and flourish and yeah. d- develop their potential, and I think one of the organizations, one of the organizations that I love is Club. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, uh, it's a news organization and uh, it's very young. Uh, a lot of times they uh, have uh, teenagers, like high school yeah. kids interview politicians and, uh, on the hardest topics. Can and you spell that for us? It was... K-L-O-O-P. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, it does a lot of investigative journalism and it's, it's a news source that I trust more than I trust. You know, New York Times or Washington yeah, yeah, yeah. Post, uh, because it's pretty small, and I I know know the founders. And uh, the, as any person, they have their biases, uh, but at least kind of once you know the biases, you kind of. Otherwise, you still like if you see some some article, you you know it's coming from like a genuine place.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, it's done a lot of impact in in the country. It sues the government and sometimes wins, which is amazing in this region. Uh, I think it's it sued the uh, Ministry of Justice, and it won. It's kind of amazing, nice. uh, and um, it 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 uncovered a lot of corruption in the con- mm. in the country. And these were like again teenagers, oftentimes. Yeah, that's and amazing. it's the only I think the only person invited to TED. He became a TED fellow, Bektur Iskander, um, from Central Asia. Nice. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a fascinating organization, and we have people like Zere. She's yeah. a singer. She uh, uh, sings about uh, feminism and yep. uh, like
0: Incredible how, women, person, yeah. how
1: women are uh, have uh, having problems after they choose the way they dress. Yeah, because kind of um, predominant religion is Islam, uh, and uh, before that it was secular. This during Soviet Union, so it's a transition, and um, women uh, have. Feel increasingly more challenges. Yeah, some of uh, her stories and are incredible. Like
0: <laughs> I in some of her stories are incredible. She's pretty damn brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah. incredibly brave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she got yeah. a lot of death, death yeah. threats yeah.
1: for her music videos. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're making a lot of progress and mm-hmm. raising the consciousness about the topics yeah. uh, of like you know harass- sexual harassment and yeah. raping. A lot of the uh, rapists don't go to jail right. because they just bribe the, the yeah. judges yeah uh so it's kind of uh, brushed under the rug and mm-hmm. it was like that for years but now uh, she and her you know her friends are managing to bring a lot more attention to the subject yeah and I think she's being very successful with her music videos mm-hmm. um, so that's another example and there's there's many more amazing activists uh, who are uh, changing this country and I think setting example for other countries because uh, We've been quite democratic for a really long time uh, in the whole region. It's a difficult region for yeah. democracies. And yeah. we had the female president also, which is very rare. Right. Yeah, Rosa Otombayo, I think she was amazing. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot to learn from this country and there's a lot of amazing people.
0: Today. Yeah, it's been, it's been such a pleasure. Um, there was... Uh, there was one random point that I just wanted to touch on when we were talking about the the EA stuff and and sort of these other ways of creative in, creating impact. Um, I just wanted to highlight, because I feel like one of the places that I got stuck uh, with EA was just trying to like find, like, what's the most important issue that I need to solve? Like, you know, is it AI safety or whatever? And just be like, okay, like, how do I solve this one issue myself? Yeah. Um, and it seemed to just make... Uh, things flow a lot easier. What was, the, what was the Japanese phrase that you had? Ikigai. Yeah, ikigai. Um, when I took a little bit more of a step back and be like, OK, these are sort of big things that I care about. You know, Maybe have like five or six. And then find the ways that were sort of uh, aligned with maybe one of them, with the ikigai. Because I feel like you can just drive yourself nuts in EA. If you're just trying to solve, like if you if you go the other way around, you are like, okay, what's the biggest like specific problem that I have yes. to solve? And then yeah,
1: so yeah, like for yeah. example, I think sometimes it could be like organizing a, an amazing party.
0: Yeah, it
1: could be a very rational thing to do. Yes, because you're bringing certain people together, yep. with certain values, and they have a great time. They bond.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, I think parties is an amazing vehicle also yeah. for for change and you doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can rationally explain logical reasons. Sometimes you cannot, and um, or you're doing your projection mapping. Sure, yeah. I think if you stop doing it, I feel like you're doing something wrong. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Like if you do more projection mapping, I feel like you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, if that's one of your passions, yeah. Uh, I feel like, and sometimes you cannot connect the dots. I think it's your job to so connect the dots moving forward. So you you have to be uh, you know, use intuitions a little bit. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Um, are there any other things that you feel like
0: uh, maybe we should cover today that we haven't touched on yet?
1: Yeah, I can just you know remind people that we launched our talent. Yeah, please plug uh, plug away globally. It, yeah. uh, we've been working on this for two years. Yeah, uh, in in this region, Russian speaking region. Mm-hmm. And I believe we accomplished a lot. We helped 25 people yeah. get jobs at top companies of their choice. And in our last group of nine people, every single one uh, graduated and got at least two offers from these nice. top companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon. In average, they got three. Uh, and um, average salary is more than 110K. Uh, just the base salary plus there's a lot of stock usually and yep. uh, bonuses uh, Which is quite a big change yeah. if you're coming from this region uh, So I'm very proud of our results and if you know any developers yeah. that want to 10x their career absolutely, and uh, Get into an amazing company uh, They can go to ourtalent.com. We awesome. are now much more broad First of all, internationally. Second of all, we are opening up to uh, smaller companies, not mm-hmm. just you know giant tech corporations, but uh, smaller companies and remote companies as well. So, really encourage everyone to uh, to tell their friends who are yeah. software engineers.
0: That's awesome. I hope they do. And I really liked the model you were sort of sharing of um, you know out talent being the uh, there's like a bunch of different 10x jumps you can do, right? And out talent being kind of the like you're making 10k a year to like 100k a year, and yes. then like Y being like 100k to like a million in a year or whatever it is. And, yes. Yes. Yeah. So
1: if you see of like just to simplify, if you think of the uh, of of the income, I think the, where we're good at is to help people get from 10k a year, yep. uh, 10k dollar a year income yep. to 100k. Yep. Uh, Honestly, with stocks, they're getting close to a million sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yep. So that's where like that's the if you think of the career as like a uh, as staircase, like a stairs, mm-hmm. that's that's the big stair we help people step over. Yeah. And then there's other stairs like Y combinator helps yep. get you know further and people become billionaires through mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. doing startups, mm-hmm. and then there are things like, you know, for example, Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda do with malaria yep. and other, uh, like polio, I believe. Yep. Uh, is it polio
0: you focus on? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I forget. I think that's uh, uh, Anyway,
1: so with, with vaccinations and bed nets, they're helping the bottom get from one level, like through vaccines, from one level income to this another one. I don't think I should focus there, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like I should focus on this. Uh, on, Absolutely. On this piece. Well, this is great. And as we're,
0: uh, as we're uh, wrapping up here, I just want to, if anybody's uh, been joining us uh, via video, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to, uh, uh, we've got an amazing local production company here, ALX Productions, that's been doing this. They've been uh, very generous with uh, setting all this up and everything, and uh, there's some beautiful art that you might be seeing behind us here at the uh, no-name bar uh, here in uh, Bishkek, so. Uh, it's been uh, such a pleasure to have you on, uh, Telec And uh, dude, it, people also need to like just come visit Kyrgyzstan. This place is amazing, so.
1: Yes, yeah. um, I invite everyone to Kyrgyzstan personally. <laughs> yes, you can message me awesome. on your favorite social media. I'll try to connect you to the right people.
0: That's great. We'll put the uh, links in the show notes. All right, well, thanks, and whoever has a great day. Thank you so much. Cheers.